welcome to the Holistic Women's Health Podcast. On today's episode, I'm so excited to have Faye Gold. Faye is an integrative health coach, women's health expert, and founder of Golden Holistic Wellness. She studied at the Institute of Integrative Nutrition and helps women balance their hormones, heal their gut, and improve their mental health so they can feel energized, nourished, and aligned. Her mission is to help women identify what's holding them back from optimal health and guide them on the wellness transformation that they deserve. Faye's own experience with hormones and gut health challenges fueled her passion to help others. She believes that healing must address the mind, body, and soul. It's about the inner work, not just what's on your plate. Welcome to the podcast, Faye. Yes, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to chat today. I'm so excited that you're here and absolutely love your mission and for people to get to know you better. I would love if we could start off by you just telling us your personal health story and what got you into this field in the first place. For sure. Yeah. So for many years, actually, I would say um, I actually avoided my health and it was something that I had a lot of anxiety around. Um, I avoided the doctor because I felt a lot of shame going to the doctor because I've struggled with my weight my whole life. And Um, I was always told that if I don't start losing weight, that I'm going to have severe health concerns or issues kind of down the line. And as a young girl experiencing that, it definitely created a lot of shame um, and fear around going to the doctor. So I simply just didn't go for many years. And, you know, you feel good. You don't really think anything's wrong until you realize that something's wrong. Um, And for me, that was losing hair. Um, So I would say about um, two years ago, I noticed that my hair was thinning. And I think that it actually took me longer to realize it because I had such thick, long hair. So for me, brushing my hair and losing a lot of hair was completely normal um, until I realized that, you know, I've been losing a lot. And um, that's when I took matters into my own hands and decided it's time to go to the doctor. And they did a full blood panel and my male hormones, so my DHA and my testosterone were elevated. And that kind of explained what I was experiencing. So I got the PCOS diagnosis. That's very common. Um, And with that, I slowly started to realize that, you know, I've been experiencing other symptoms that I wasn't aware of for a long time now. So I had those cravings. I had Um, the dips in energy, I was experiencing the hanger. And, you know, I was experiencing anxiety that I didn't really pinpoint because I didn't, it wasn't something that I was really aware of. But looking back now, it was something that was newer to me. And then when I kind of came to terms with, you know, this is a lifestyle that requires a lot of work and changing, I realized that holistic healing was my passion because I like I mentioned, I realized that this is more of a lifestyle shift and it's not, I didn't want to take the birth control approach or the metformin or the spironolactone. That wasn't what I was interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just dove deep and I learned everything about PCOS. I learned everything about holistic healing. And I soon realized that this is my passion. It's all I talk about. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I I just need to find a way to like help others with what I was going through. And, um, and yeah, that's kind of how my health journey started. Oh my goodness. Your story 
Thank you for sharing because I know even for myself going to the doctors and just if they're not listening to you, of course, you can experience lots of, you know, shame and fear of going back for them being like, there's nothing wrong with you. I know that happens a lot. And so I appreciate you sharing about that. So your story sounds like it was pretty recent, just a couple of years ago. What were you doing before then? Yeah, so um, I was working in social work. Mm-hmm. And I was actually working retail while I was in school. And I think that played a huge role in my lifestyle because I was constantly like working on my feet and reaching for that coffee um, and like eating lots of sweets and just constantly being in a cycle of um, exhaustion and, you know, cortisol spikes. And <laughs> yeah, 100%. And I love that you mentioned that especially around PCOS and like a lot of other health issues that it's a whole lifestyle change. You can't just throw supplements at it and call it a day. It's really, you know, you have to change your diet and how you're exercising, your stress, all that type of stuff. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about social work and mental health and how that plays a role a bit later. But in coming back to the whole lifestyle aspect, how did you find that, you know, that stress and that cortisol piece was impacting your gut and your hormones? In many ways. So I think that I was using that caffeine and that sugar as kind of a band-aid for feeling sluggish or, you know, being tired. It was just, that was fueling me. And I think that there were a lot of symptoms that I wasn't like pinpointing or recognizing as um, as stress or as a gut health issue. So for example, like that pit in your stomach feeling or that anxiety or those jitters, like I, I didn't associate that with stress at all. But now knowing how stress pay, plays a really crucial role in our gut health and our hormones, I have like a much better understanding of how the two were related. Hmm. Big time. It's, you know, stress, we can think of like super isolated, like I'm stressed for this test, but really it's like a whole body manifestation of like, no, no, this impacts, you know, how your gut's working, how your hormones are working and, and all that type of stuff. With the, the gut health, do you mind sharing your story with gut health as well? Because I know in your bio, you said you struggled with gut and hormones. So what did that look like for you? What were some of your symptoms and what did that look like? For sure. I think um, for many years, I struggled with like an upset stomach or just like pains and not knowing where that came from and maybe thinking that, oh, like that food wasn't prepared in like a clean way or like maybe there was an issue with that the way that specific meal was versus understanding my body's triggers and maybe things that don't agree with my system so i think that was something for me and then in more recent times when i became more aware of my symptoms bloating is a huge one for me it's actually something that i'm currently working on so i think that that was one and then gas is another one and constipation as well. So kind of like a bunch of different things, but um, I actually recently did a GI map test and found lots of things that I'm currently working on. Like many of us, we we live so unaware of what's going on inside. And unless you get to the root cause, it's hard to kind of pinpoint your symptoms and you can cut out all the foods, do your elimination diets. But if you're not if you don't understand like the imbalance that's going on, it's kind of hard to actually feel better. A hundred percent. And 
I do love that you're still working on your health because I know a lot of people expect, you know, wellness practitioners to to be perfect and have all their issues already healed. And it's like, no, typically what got us into this field is because we've struggled for so long. And so, and you know, I I love the GI map test as a tool because it can uncover a lot of things and and you know, get to the root cause of a lot of issues. So I love that you did that and you're still working on your health and just staying current with all the topics. And I feel like most of us do that, which I just love, you know, between the the Dutch test and the GI map, and I'm totally due for a GI map test too. So that's <laughs> next on my list. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing too, like we're, we're humans too. And although we do help and, and support other women on this, on this journey that they're on, like the journey never stops. And that's what so many people think. They think that health is a destination. And once you get there, you feel good and you're healthy, but it's about putting in the work and kind of how we touched on before. It's definitely a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And that healing is not linear and it doesn't just start and then you just keep going up and up and up. There's all sorts of ups and downs and little bumps in the road and you know, changing up supplements if it's not working for you because everyone's so individual. So I absolutely love that. I'm curious a little bit about the work that you did in social work, having that background, knowing the more, you know, mental health side of things. So in your practice, would you say that gut issues also go hand in hand with mental health issues and vice versa? Or how is the gut impacted by you know stress and, and mental health issues? Yes, mental health and gut issue gut issues go hand in hand. Um, I, mental health condition, I don't know if I would use that term, mm-hmm. but in terms of like mental health struggles in some capacity, yes. And I think that the more opposite is true. I think that um, if you are struggling with mental health, there is a very high chance that there is some sort of gut um, gut health issue underlying. And it's very bio-individual. And for some folks, it's minor. Um, It could be simply a little anxiety, um, maybe some uneasiness. And then for others, it could be like severe depression. So it's really different. But um, yeah, there's a huge connection. Many people know that your neurotransmitters, specifically your serotonin is produced in your gut. And if there is some form of imbalance or um, issue with your gut, the connection and the communication between those neurotransmitters will will not be working as they should be. And same thing with symptoms of gut health. So it's really common that people experiencing depression are also experiencing constipation. And um, also with anxiety, a lot of people who have anxiety or struggle with anxiety, they have IBS symptoms as well. Mm, that's so fascinating, the connection just between depression and constipation and anxiety and those IBS symptoms, it makes perfect sense. But if you're going to a traditional doctor, typically it's like, okay, here, take this medication. And they don't talk about gut health. That's just not really a thing that gets talked about. So it's really helpful that in your practice, you can kind of address the two of them and understand that connection and help your clients through that. Definitely. Yeah. So a a big part of my practice is understanding the root cause of why people feel a specific way and what their symptoms, um, where they're coming from. So if someone's experiencing anxiety, kind of like we talked about, I'm there's almost never a case where they're 
they don't have any sort of stomach upset or digestive uneasiness. Mm -hmm. And typically in your practice, when you see something like that, do you start with that aspect with calming the nervous system and giving them tools with their, whether it's anxiety or depression, or where do you typically start with a client like that? It's always different. So my approach is kind of meeting them where they're at and seeing what they're ready for. Some people changing their food is really overwhelming for them or kind of addressing the more health piece is more overwhelming. So we'll start with the more mental health aspect. A big part of my practice is journaling, mindfulness, um, kind of how you, like, like you mentioned, like relaxing the nervous system and just getting more intuitive and in tune with your body and understanding why you're feeling certain ways. Mm-hmm. Do you, I personally love the journaling, the mindfulness and all that, but I know a lot of people are super, super resistant and feel like it's a little bit woo woo and stuff like that. And they're like, how is journaling going to help my gut health issues? So do you give them any sort of prompts or do you explain the benefits or do you find people are like, I'll do whatever? Do you find they're resistant to some of the journaling and mindfulness aspects? Yes and no. So I think my approach makes it seem a little less intimidating for those who haven't journaled. So usually what I do is I provide them with a 14-day journal prompt series. And the first day is probably something really simple, like what is something that I that's going really well for me right now? Um, so completely unrelated to gut health. But as they progress day after day, that next journal prompt builds on the previous day's journal prompt. And they get to a point where they are a lot more self-aware, more confident and ready to show up for themselves. And that allows them to take control of their symptoms and kind of change some behaviors. So the journaling is really focused on understanding the behaviors, understanding what needs to change about the behaviors, and then building that confidence to actually go ahead and make changes. I love that so much because 14 days one sounds super attainable and achievable, even if it's just, you know, two minutes that you spend or five minutes that you spend on it. But I love that you said it helps with the self-awareness, confidence, but also showing up for themselves because like you said, the food piece can be very overwhelming, especially with someone who's either depressed and low or anxious and feels too busy that doing something small, whether it's two minutes a day and showing up for yourself would help in the long run with that next step of, okay, we're going to go to the grocery store and we're going to get foods that are, that's nourishing to our body. So I, I love the, the journaling in the 14 day. I think that's absolutely brilliant. Yeah. I think that they get to a point where they're really actually looking forward to it. So whether they journal in the morning or the evening, it's like their time to just sit and get in touch with how they're feeling and, and just dump, dump it all on the paper and just, you know, better understand themselves, build that relationship with themselves. Mm -hmm. I love that a lot. And in talking about the food piece, I'd love if we could dive in a bit more to food and how specifically it can impact our mental health and therefore also our gut health, our hormones, things like that. For sure. Yeah. I actually just finished reading a really awesome book on this topic um, it's called This Is Your Brain on Food. Yes. Mm-hmm. I've had another guest mention that book too. <laughs> I loved it. Um, it was it breaks it up by chapter. So each chapter talks about a specific diagnosis and then um, a way to eat for that specific condition. So for example, for depression, 
the author talked about how the Mediterranean diet would be really good for um, symptoms of depression. And that's just so fascinating to me. Um, But yeah, food really does have profound effects on our mental health. And the gut is referred to as the second brain. So the the effects are are profound, like I mentioned. But um, I would say the main connection is the vagus nerve, which starts at our brainstem and then works its way down to the abdomen. And this is the largest nerve in our parasympathetic nervous system. And it controls so many functions, including your heart rate, digestion, and some immune function. And it's also completely involuntary. But this nerve sends signals from your brain to your gut and from your gut to your brain, which is why Um, The gut-brain connection is so often talked about. Um, In terms of food, the food we eat impacts our gut, um, impacts our gut microbiome, our gut lining, and our digestion. And food is information, and that food and that information is then delivered to our brain. So if there's some form of imbalance or issue going on in the gut caused by food that we're eating, it's going to have impacts on our mental health. And I would say the foods that have the biggest um, impact are inflammatory foods and processed foods. And this is also very bio-individual because yes, there are certain foods that are just inflammatory in general, but some people can tolerate them better than others. And other, other people, you know, have more severe consequences or symptoms from those foods. But in general, processed foods like wheat products or foods very high in sugar, sodas, alcohol, things like that, they really um, impact our brain. And yeah. I was going to ask actually, so you brought it up about the the processed foods. And so if someone's eating takeout for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, or let's say skipping meals, and they go right for coffee for breakfast, they're rushed, they either have school or kids or going to work and stuff like that. It's very busy. So how would you say that that impacts our hormones, our gut, our mental health, if someone is either eating junk food a lot, um, lots of takeout, or if they're doing coffee on an empty stomach in the morning, then doing a sugary snack for breakfast, and then, you know, lots of alcohol in the evening just to calm themselves after, let's say, a stressful day at work, they have some alcohol before bed. How does that impact the body in terms of hormones, gut, and mental health? In a couple different ways. So, The first way is definitely blood sugar. So black coffee, although it doesn't have sugar, it can still spike your cortisol, which then spikes your blood sugar. So it's kind of a relational thing, but that would definitely impact your mood because you would have like a spike in all of those hormones and then a crash. And then same thing with that um, that sweet thing, whatever it is, that cookie, that muffin, you know, same thing that would spike your blood sugar and then that would make it crash again. Um, and, you know, when you're in that state of crash, you're moody, you're irritable, you're tired, you're just feeling low. And then when you eat that, you know, that highly processed food, that takeout, you can have that spike where you feel super energetic, maybe you're in a better mood. And and then the alcohol. <laughs> yeah. Alcohol also spikes our blood sugar as well. Um, and it's it's a toxin to our brain and our gut. So 
it, it has negative impacts on, on our microbiome and our gut health. Um, in terms of the other foods and sugars, sugar feeds yeast and um, all of the bad bacteria in our gut. So that makes it really addicting to us. But also the spike and the crash of our blood sugar makes us crave it even more. And then the processed foods are usually high in sugar and salt, which are in that combination, sugar, salt, fat makes it taste amazing. And that combo is usually not the best for us. And takeout places usually use really inflammatory oils like canola oil, soybean oil, um, vegetable oils, and those are also very inflammatory to our gut. So the combination of that black coffee, sugar, takeout, and alcohol all combined have really detrimental impacts on our hormones, our gut health, and our mental health. Mm-hmm. I can totally see how you broke it down and see how that impacts us in many, 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 many ways. And of course, if we're already feeling either really low or really anxious, then throwing in, you know, some sugar in the mix might feel good temporarily, but then it of course makes you crave more. And then you're just stuck on that roller coaster of feeling really high, then going really low. And then of course, alcohol, that's, I mean, that's a whole other (laughs) big topic all on its own and how that impacts sleep. I heard on a podcast once that it can impact your sleep or stay in your system for up to 72 hours or something like that, depending how well you detox it out. And so then of course, the next couple nights, your sleep is just totally broken up. And then of course, how that impacts your gut, your hormones, your mental health, of course. So it just, in so many different facets, I feel like can just impact anything and everything. And then I love how you said that it feeds the the yeast and, and things like that, because I know for a lot of people, they get these unexplained sugar cravings and their body is just, you know, craving it more and more and more. So what would you suggest if you had a client who, was just really struggling with either these sweet cravings or these salty cravings? Do you have any tangible tips and tricks for someone who's really struggling, especially during this holidays where work parties or, you know, friends um, getting together or family, things like that? What would you suggest for for someone? Yes, there's so many things. Um, The main thing would be balancing your blood sugar. And there's so many different tips and tricks to help you do that. So, The first one is focusing on balanced meals that contain high quality sources of protein, healthy fats, and fiber. This combination of macros really slows down the digestion and absorption of these nutrients, which will not lead to a blood sugar spike and crash, which you will experience if you have foods that are high in refined carbs or foods that are lacking protein. So I would say focus on balanced meals. If you do want to have like the pasta or or the bread or or those things, because obviously balance is important and it's it's really important to still enjoy your life and enjoy foods that make you happy, they shouldn't be the main event, right? So instead of have, ordering a full pizza and eating half the pizza, maybe have a slice and a side salad. Or if you're craving something sweet, have it after your meal. So rather than having that chocolate chip cookie before dinner when you really want it, just hold off and have it after dinner. That way you've already had your balanced meal. So the sugar won't be absorbed so quickly. Um, Another thing that really helps with blood sugar is movement. So going for a walk after a meal or 
any form of movement that is easy for you to get in and that makes you feel good is important. And as well, I know that building muscle is really great for blood sugar. It's something that I'm really excited about and I'm kind of just getting started in. But when you have more muscle, it it helps um, it helps bring the glucose to your muscles. So it helps with blood sugar. And this is kind of something unrelated, but if you feel like you're really struggling with cravings, try to understand where these cravings are coming from. Try to dig deeper and get like get to a deeper place where you are asking yourself things like, did I eat enough? Am I hydrated? Am I reaching for these comfort foods because I'm sad or because I'm unhappy in my relationship or because I had a tough day at work? Ultimately, your like your body is trying to tell you something by craving these sweet things or having these intense cravings. And I think that so many of us just reach for whatever because it's easy and it's a lot more comfortable for us to just soothe our our cravings with whatever it is. But I think that so many of us have completely forgotten what it's like to lean into our intuition and understand why we're craving these things. And just don't doubt your body's intelligence. Like your body knows something is up if you're constantly craving sweet things. And I think that it's really important to understand why. I would say also work with a health professional if you feel like it's something that you can't manage on your own because they can get really intense and it can be really hard to manage. And usually when it comes to cravings, it's really hard to do the work on your own because it's so easy to just reach for whatever you're craving. Um, But it's kind kind of like the lifestyle piece where you have to build those habits and understand what makes you feel good and what like what your body needs. So I would say that. And lastly, if you feel like it's something that is so intense for you and that you're honestly concerned about, I would say reach out to your doctor and get blood work done because usually cravings are a sign that maybe you're deficient in something. And it's definitely really important to know your levels and understand what's going on internally. Mm-hmm. There's so much that you said that I agree with wholeheartedly 100% of, well, one, making sure you're actually eating a good meal and not skipping meals and bringing in that protein, fat, fiber. That's super, super important. And then, of course, balance. I mean, I love balance. I'm all about balance. So I'm glad that you mentioned that. And then, of course, the tough part. So, of course, we can give all these food recommendations of making sure you're getting your protein, fat, fiber before having that sweet Um, And the new research on building muscle and how that impacts blood sugar. I love that too. But the part, the uncomfortable part that a lot of people don't want to dig into is what this craving means. Does it mean you're missing friendship in your life or love in your life or you're lonely, you're bored, you're sad? People don't want to dig into that. We just want to numb. We want to be on TikTok, binge Netflix. We don't want to deal with these things. And it's just so common in today's world now to just pop on social media and just num num num. So with you and your clients, do you find that that's something that they struggle with too is realizing, oh, okay, maybe my cravings for chocolate or this late night sweet snack do mean that I'm really lonely. And and how do you deal with that with your clients? Yes, definitely. Most of the time 
it is related to something they're experiencing in their life, whether it be family stress or career confusion or relationships or loneliness like you touched on. And I think it really comes down to getting to know what their needs are and figuring out how they can work on feeling fulfilled off the plate and, you know, away from the chocolate. And the chocolate's not a bad thing and it's necessary sometimes. It fuels you in a different way than, you know, that um, balanced meal does. It's still something that's important to have once in a while, but it's what really matters is getting to the root cause of why they feel the need to reach to those things. Most of the time it is something underlying. So a big thing is is journaling. We always go back to journaling. I love it. It's such a great um, it's such a great technique to kind of get deeper and understand yourself better. And so many of my clients tell me they're like, I so many things I didn't think about. I just wrote out, and they oftentimes really surprise themselves with their answers. And they always get to know themselves a little bit better, which is huge in healing. You have to know yourself in order to heal and to understand your cravings and to understand what's going on and commit to yourself. It's a big part of the journey. There's so many things you just said there that I loved of you have to feel fulfilled off the plate. I find that that's huge in life. And I don't know if it's just where I'm at in my life and what I'm exposed to, but I feel like a lot of my clients or friends or family are just feeling so lost and stuck right now. And food is just such an easy way for them to feel better because they don't want to face that they're unhappy in their job or their career or with their partner or things like that. So I love that, you know, seeking fulfillment off of the plate and really diving headfirst, even if it's hard into that. And the other thing you said that you have to know yourself in order to heal is also huge because how else are you going to heal if you don't know, you know, what foods you like and you don't like, and like you said, understanding those cravings. So I just love that you mentioned the two of those things. Yes. And you can eat all the kale and take all the supplements and, you know, work out every day, but if you're not happy and and feeling fulfilled and comfortable with who you are, it's going to be really hard for you to feel good. And so many people come to me, they're like, oh, I'm working with a health coach. Like they're going to give me a meal plan and I'm going to like change my, the way I'm eating, but they don't realize that, no, we're going deep. We're going to get, <laughs> we're going to understand a lot. You're going to, by the end of this program together, you're going to understand a lot more about yourself. Um, you're going to be able to show up for yourself in ways that you've never been able to show up and you're going to be confident. And so many people are lacking that. So it's really important work. And I'm honestly so honored to be a part of it. Hmm. I love that. I can tell that you're so passionate about this career and, and helping people. And I know in your mission that I read in your bio, you said one of the big things is to help people identify what's holding them back for optimal health. So what would you say is either one or a couple of the reasons that typically hold people back in your experience? The biggest one is them not being ready to commit to themselves I think commitment is a thing that really scares people in various different aspects. But a lot of people, before they work with a health coach or a health professional, they know what it takes and they understand the process and that's what's holding them back. They're simply not ready to commit to the lifelong journey that healing is. I think they're also scared of talking about them themselves, their feelings, their lifestyle. A big piece of of healing is understanding like your childhood and 
whether it's what food you ate as a child or, you know, how you thought about yourself or there's so many different things. It, it comes back to now because you're the same person. So I think it's, they're really not ready for the journey yet. And then I think they're just holding themselves back. Some people have a goal and they have a certain way they want to feel or look and they're simply just not ready to get there. And I always say you're never going to be ready. It's never going to be a perfect time. You're you're never going to be that person unless you start showing up as that person. So it's really just about starting even when you're not ready, even when it's hard, because it is so much easier to not be ready and to not start the journey. It's so much easier to order takeout every night and not make a nourishing meal. It's easier to go to bed late versus creating a nighttime routine that feels nourishing for you. It's so much easier to cope stress with a glass of wine or, you know, in whatever whatever way people cope with than, you know, talking about it or journaling about it. And I think that's what really kind of holds people back from optimal health. Mm -hmm. Big time. I could not agree more. And I do think if you're feeling like you're not ready, it is a great time to seek help, especially not doing it on your own and seeking guidance from someone who does have experience who can help you along the way, teach you the tools. Even I just joined a coaching program and that was one of the things that they said, if you're feeling ready, you should have done this three years ago. If you're not feeling ready, it's a good time to start because you know they're just gonna help me to grow and push me in the right direction, get outside of my comfort zone and be that very best version of myself that I can be. So I can show up as the best version for my clients and and so on and so forth. But I just love that they said, if you're feeling ready now, you should have started three years ago. And I remember it being such a scary thing to join this coaching program. But then I thought to myself, I know the value that I'm going to get out of this. So it's super, super similar with health. And if you're debating working with that practitioner just to to do it because it will benefit you and value you in some form in the end. Definitely. And you are your greatest work, right? You like everything you do should be with intention and should be with feeling good. And yes, things can be scary and maybe you don't feel ready to talk about your feelings. But like you said, I love that you said that, that you should have done this three years ago because oftentimes we wait for that moment that we're ready, but we never completely feel ready. I'm sure when you enrolled in that course, you still weren't ready, but you did it anyways. Yep. I was like, oh gosh, (laughs) how do I cancel and take my payment back? I don't want to do this anymore. But I know in the end, I'm going to be super thankful that it did push me outside of my comfort zone because that's always the hardest part. But then you feel so good afterwards. And yeah, when does someone ever feel completely ready to do anything? Like you're, you're never ready really to do anything. And like you said, your greatest work is you, your most important investment is always going to be in yourself. I do believe that wholeheartedly. And so for people who are listening now who are like, okay, I love this conversation. I want to get started. What are some small tips that people can start with right away that will make a big impact in their health? There are so many that I can think of, but I'll limit them because I don't want to overwhelm them. But I would say the first one would be work on developing that 80-20 mindset. And 
I find that so many people try to give things their all and then miserably fail. And then they're, they beat themselves up and they're stuck in this cycle of, you know, dieting, restricting, or, you know, whatever it is that they're kind of working on. 80-20 is always best. There's no, there's no need to be so hard on yourself. There's this analogy that I love and I use all the time with my clients. It's a house analogy. So if you're building a house, you know, you build the foundation and then you put up the structure, you do the drywall, the brick. I don't know. I'm, I don't, I'm, I don't make houses, so I don't know all the steps, but there's a lot that goes in. <laughs> there's a lot that goes into making a house. So the analogy is, is that if one day, you know, you're building your house, things are going good. Um, and, you know, maybe, you know, you have that meal that you, you're not proud of, or, you know, you're, you don't feel your best after. And, instead of thinking, oh, I ruined the day, I ruined the week, you know, I'll start on Monday. It's kind of like you wouldn't knock that house down or not go to work and build the house the next day. You would just go the next day and pick up where you left off and continue building the house. So it's kind of like just going back to your house and picking up where you left off on the things that make you feel good. And I think that developing that 80-20 mindset is really important because it's not black and white. And like we talked about so many times, it's a lifestyle and it's not something that you can just start and feel good and then stop again. It's really about maintaining it and finding to finding a way to maintain it so that you can always feel good and feel energized and feel aligned. Um, so that's the first thing that I would mention. And I hope that people can you know, try to implement to make a big impact on their health. The second one is so simple, but just eat whole foods. Foods that are processed are usually stripped of their nutritional value. Um, and also our digestive system has a hard time recognizing what these additives are. So that's all, that's usually what causes inflammation in our body. So just stick to whole foods. And again, this goes with the 80-20 rule. So in that 20, you know, eat your pasta, eat your pizza, have your cookies, whatever it is that you want to have. But for the 80, focus on eating whole foods. The third one, we talked about a little bit in depth, but focus on balancing your blood sugar. That's a big one. And it's so important for so many reasons, but elevated glucose can actually lead to insulin resistance, which comes with a whole host of other health issues. Balanced blood sugar will allow you to live life craving free, feeling energized, thinking clearly, um, better mood, better sleep. And it really just allows us to show up as the best version of ourselves. And my last one is just do things that are good for your mental health. And this is really whatever it means to you. For some people, it's movement. For others, it's going out with friends. For some, it's reading a book. It really can be whatever it is to you, but just do things that make you happy and make you feel fulfilled off the plate. Mm -hmm. I love that. There's, uh, I just want to touch on the the first one, the 80, 20, because I'm such a believer in that. And I saw someone repost on Instagram. Another creator had created this post about saying that, you know, 80-20 doesn't work, moderation doesn't work. And I'm like, wait a minute, I've been doing this for so many years and that's the only thing I find that works. And it was more of um, this fitness influencer and they were basically saying, if you do the 80-20 rule, you'll only get 80% of the results. And I was like, that's not really how it works. Even like you said, with the 
the house analogy, you know, you can have that strong foundation, the bricks, the drywall, whatever, again, however you build a house, having that strong foundation can be your 80%. And then let's say decorating is your 20%. So like, you're never going to have all the perfect furniture, you're going to keep updating it and, you know, finding pieces that you love here and there. And that's how I look at it. And I was like, uh, even with learning a language, I can put 80% into learning a new language and I can still speak it very proficiently. Maybe I'm not perfect, but I can still do a very good job of speaking that language at 80% capacity. So I read that post and I was like, mm, I just don't align with this. I don't, that's like not my approach whatsoever. So I'm, yeah, I'm glad that you find that as well because there's something that I like to call soul food. So that 20% can be, like you said, that pasta, that pizza, that, you know, your grandma's cookie recipe, whatever it is that totally makes your heart happy and your soul happy. And I find there's so much value in that as well, even if it's, you know, not perfect for your gut or your hormones, you're still healing, doing the foundation, doing all that, but also for your mental health and your soul, allowing some of those foods. And I find is very, very important too. Yes, definitely. And also 80% is still amazing. And, you know, the goal isn't perfection. It's about finding peace with yourself too, because this healing journey and, you know, nutrition and all of this health stuff, it can be really, it can be a struggle for people. And like a lot of people struggle with that control and the need to be perfect. And that's never the goal because sustainability is the goal um, and feeling good is the goal. So I'm happy with 80%. I'm happy if my clients practice this 80-20 and, you know, for that those fitness creators, they can do their 100%. Um, if that feels good to them, I'm I'm happy for them. But I think, like you said, this is the only thing that has ever worked for me and my clients. So I think that there's so much power in it. Mm-hmm. 100%. If you can do 100%, more power to you. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, every once in a while, I will have, you know, the Costco pumpkin pie for Thanksgiving or, you know, something that has that gluten, that sugar, that dairy, and just call it a day and, and you know, leave it at that, take my supplements. So um. One of my last questions for you, is there anything that we didn't get to touch on that you would love to share with something, whether it is related to this whole topic of nutrition or whether it is totally not related at all and there's a quote that you love or a life lesson you learned recently, anything like that? Yes. Um, I love to say that you can't heal a body that you hate. Um, and it's it's, you know, healing is not only your physical, if you're dealing with hormonal or gut issues, it's also mental, kind of how we talked a lot about. But um, bottom line, if you don't love and appreciate yourself for the amazing person that you are, it's going to be really hard for you to get to a point where you feel good and you feel like you're really on this healing journey that you're on. Um, So that's something that I think is really powerful and important to mention. Hmm. I find that so, so, so important and something that I've touched on a little bit on this podcast. And actually, in the, the next episode, I'll be talking with a guest about that, too, because it's kind of this this trend I've seen on TikTok where a lot of people are saying you can't 
I mean, you can hate your body into whatever it is, your fitness goals are being thin, but that's never the best way to do it. It's whatever sustainable long term is going to be loving your body, appreciating, appreciating it for what it is and all that I can do. So I love that you mentioned that. Absolutely love it. Yeah. And bottom line is just nourishing yourself. And I think a huge part of nourishment is love um, because so many, this is something that um, a lot of people talk about. It's like when you make a meal and you can taste that love was put into it. So it's kind of it's kind of like that. It's like you know when love is there and and you know when it's missing. And um, actually, in the course that I took, um, it was referred to as vitamin L, which I love. Oh, <laughs> that is so sweet. I've never heard that before, but I love that, and it's so true. If you know your mom or grandma or someone in the family makes you a meal and you're, people say that, like, I can taste the love in this and taste, you know, all the effort that you put in. So that makes total sense. I love that a lot. And I just want to say that I appreciate you so much for coming on. You're just absolutely glowing. And I can tell that you love this subject so much and you're super, super passionate about helping everyone. So I super, super appreciate you for being on. And for anyone now who wants to connect with you, learn more about you, work with you, where can they find you? Yes. Um, well, back to you. It was This was lovely and it was so nice chatting with you. Um, and as you mentioned, I'm so passionate about this. I could talk about it all day. Um, and I'm so glad we got the chance to do this. You can follow me on Instagram at Golden Holistic Wellness, and you can also check out my website at goldenholisticwellness.ca. Yeah.